Hey, Breaking Brown family, what's going on? It's Yvette Carnell coming to you as I do every Monday and Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, as usual, get whatever you think is necessary uh, for, for, for this video. We're going we're gonna to go deep on some other things today, but get whatever you think is necessary to have this conversation. Take your time. I saw somebody on another clip was like, why do we take so long to get into the show? Because people need time to file in. So give people time to come in. If you become a regular listener, you'll need time to file in too. Okay? So I want to give you all time to file in. You all know the drill. Libations if you need them. Get your kid to sleep. You know, go do whatever you have to do. Go get your popcorn. Go do whatever you have to do to, to you know, to, to get this thing started. Okay? Go do whatever you have to do. Because once I get started, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop, and I, you can't tell me to stop. It's on YouTube, but it's live right now. You can't pause. So just do whatever you have to do. For those of you who are subscribed to the newsletter, do me a favor. Um, please check your spam box. Please check your promotions folder. Please check if you received an email that asks you to confirm that you wanted to receive the newsletter. Please, please, please. Also, if you subscribe to the $2 a month newsletter, please, please, please just Google. I mean, just go into your search box in your email and click Breaking Brown and see if anything comes up. Because I only got three emails that were bounced. Um, but I got some people telling me that they didn't receive it. So please check those things and see. Just go in there and put in Breaking Brown. You can put in Breaking Brown together as one word, Breaking Brown separately, and see what comes up. Um, if nothing comes up, then hit me back at editor at Breaking Brown. Dot com and, and we'll try to figure it out. But please, please check that. And the service comes from Mad Mimi, M-A-D-M-I-M-I. So you might want to check and see if you received the link from Mad Mimi um, in terms of receiving the newsletters for you to confirm receipt of the newsletter. So take care of that for me. Um, I'd appreciate it. I'd appreciate it. I would appreciate it a lot. Now, also in terms of housekeeping, um, you can go to Donate Brown and donate to the show. You can also go to breakingbrown.com and you can you can click to make a monthly donations three you know three five seven ten fifteen twenty five fifty a hundred dollar donation whatever you want to make and if you make that donation and you decide you want to receive the newsletter then also just send me an email and say to edit at breakingbrown.com with your name and how much you donate and just say monthly or if you have been donating and say hey I want to receive the email I got an email I, I have a few of those I have to send out I received a few so if you didn't receive it and you sent me that email before Sunday I got you okay um so for housekeeping, that's all we have for right now. And I think, you know, click the bell. If you haven't subscribed already, click the subscribe button. Hit that bell for me to get notifications. Hit the like. Like it. Um, and I think we're about ready to get started. I think we're about ready to get started. You ready, Aaron? You about that's ready? It. Good. Now, let me tell you a story. Come gather around children. No, gather around children. I have a story. <laughs> gather by the fireside. I have a story I like to tell. It's a sad story. But we have a lot of sad stories in the black community, so we should be understanding of sad stories. There's a man, an inmate, and that's clip one, I think, uh, named, named Kevin Cooper. Now, Mr. Cooper is in jail for what can only be described as a wrongful conviction. He was framed. Now, when you say that, why do you say this, this man is framed? What evidence do you have? Well, there, if you subscribe to the newsletter, I included a great article. I think I did. Um, about, about Cooper's arrest and conviction 
and the contamination of evidence which is suspicious. Now, this all stems from a, um, a, a professor who came home to pick up a child from a sleepover. When he came there, he found that his child and a bunch of other people in the house, including the parents and the person who murdered. That's what he found. That's what he came home to. That's an ugly thing. This is a very ugly thing. And this is a, this is a, this is, this is a white family. I, I, from what I say, from what I assume, it didn't say anything, but that's what he comes home. A professor, yeah. Okay, that's what he comes home to. He comes home to a quadruple. He comes to pick up his kid from a quadruple murder scene. Awful. Now, here's the thing. They got Kevin Cooper and said he stole the car. And the reason he did what he did is because he wanted to, he wanted to steal the car. And that's why he killed all those people in the house. That was one survivor. But that's why he killed so many people in the house. But as it turns out, the car was in the driveway with the keys and the ignition. So if he wanted the car, he could have just took it. Here's another suspicious thing. They found a shirt at the crime scene, but the shirt had his blood, Kevin Cooper's blood. But the blood had, the blood also contained um, whatever you call the substance, the preservatives that's in test tubes. Okay, that's what it can. It can take the T-shirt. Believe it, had a had a test tube used, a preservative used in test tubes, which means basically Kevin, Kevin Cooper was on his chemistry. Is that what you're telling me? Or or or, or, could or it be? someone within the police department? Someone within the police department. This is California. We're talking about California. This is like San Bernardino, I believe. Somebody in the police department decided to take the blood from the test tube. They had taken blood from Kevin, took the blood from him, and then put it on the shirt that was at the crime scene. How other, how other would a preservative from test tubes make its way? How would it make its way there? This is what happens when you're an extraneous people. People can just frame you for stuff. Yeah, well, people, when you're an underclass. Yeah, when you're an underclass. When you're an underclass, nobody cares. What happens to you? Might as well, like, it's just like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's awful. You might, I mean, it's, it's just, but, now he is on, now listen, this is, this is not just me telling you this or racial justice activists, not like we don't, we don't matter. But this is what a federal judge said. <laughs> he is on death row because San Bernardino Sheriff's Department framed him. And there are about 10 other judges who agree. Planted evidence, all that stuff. Now, if you, I haven't even gone far enough. I haven't even gone, I haven't even gone far enough in telling you about this Ninth Circuit judge who's basically accusing the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department of setting this man up. I haven't gone far enough in telling you exactly what happened because guess what? There was a victim who died with a clump of very light hair in their hands. Okay, clutching, clutching light hair. That looks like white people hair. Not one clutching a handful of little curls. How you snatch from, no, light colored hair. The eight-year-old survivor said it was three or four white men who did it. I witnessed white men did it. They came in here, they did it. This is, this is, from, this is from a New York Times article. If you want to go look it up, this is from a New York Times article. Okay, 
Go look it up. Just put in his name, New York Times, and, 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 and it'll come up. Kevin Cooper, New York Times, it comes up. Now, let me just... There were also... There were also a group of women who said they had a friend who came home, a white friend who came home, and they were splattered with blood. And they didn't have the shirt on that he had on before he left. Shirt missing. Shirt missing. There was a shirt at the crime scene. A shirt missing. Okay? And they actually, he had bloody overalls. They took the bloody overalls to the police, and the police threw them away. (laughs) Messing with my story. Yeah, I got a story I'm trying to tell that convicts a black man. And you're going to bring me some stuff about white people. I don't want to hear that. Okay. There was a car that looked like three people, three people who had blood on them sat in the car, which matches the story of the survivor who said three or four white men did this to us. All of that. We got all of that. There was a confession to a prisoner that a man made, and he said he was involved with the murder. That man was not Kevin Cooper. Okay? All this time, Kevin Cooper's just doing time. Just doing time. Just doing time. Just doing time. Now, the essay that I'm talking about is by Nicholas Kristoff. And I want to bring your attention to something. This, this is what we talk about. Now we're going to get into the black politics of this. Right? What we always talk about on this show is black power and put money in black people's pockets. And what we assume is that black people... If they're giving high office, they will have some, start, some type of allegiance to the African-American community. That's pretty much the only reason to elect black people. Yeah. What else for? <laughs> if you're not going to have allegiance, I would rather just, just find a white leftist right? yeah. I, who, who is yeah. right on my politics. I don't need you. Yeah. I don't need you. So, back to the story. If you read, if you read, the, if you read the Times article, the New York Times article with Christoph, you know what he says? You know what he says? He said there were a number of people, elected officials, who did not help this man. And it shows that our justice system is broken. One of those people who he describes as unhelpful in terms of overturning this man's conviction, one of the people is former, is former California Attorney General Kamala Harris. He says she was unhelpful to him. Now, I bring this up for a couple of reasons. Last week or the week before last, all of everybody in the black community had, was putting up memes sister and everything. Girl. Yeah, yeah, sister girl, she doing her thing. She talking. She ain't going to let Sessions get away with nothing. She not going to let Sessions get away with nothing. Why they keep interrupting her? Oh, she going to get him. And let me tell you something. Those of you who were on that train last week, you... Are a part of the problem. See, let me tell you something. You want to keep asking me about solutions. But one of the main solutions that I have for you is that you got to stop being part of the problem. Part of the solution, I'll say it again, is for you and me and everybody else in the black community to stop being part of the problem. Stop falling for the okie doke every time. And what I'm going to do towards the end, I'm going to give you some questions to ask yourself. Things we should ask ourselves. Because you only get the right answers if you ask the right questions. There's no way for you to reach the right answers and reach the right conclusions if you don't ask the right questions. So towards the end, we're going to start asking the right questions. And I want you to understand what we saw with Kamala Harris in terms of sessions. That was just a spectacle. That was a spectacle that was intended 
intended to get you all to, to get black people to come along. Oh, you know, she doing good. Look at her. She, oh man, she, she doing it. It was intended to do the same thing that happened to President Obama. To get us invested, emotionally invested in a person who's going against the, uh, going against the white man in a very symbolic way that doesn't benefit anyone. It's, a, it's symbolism. It does, symbolism doesn't benefit you. Kamala Harris asking tough questions to Sessions and, uh, does not benefit us. We're talking policy. So what I want to do, I want to just review a little bit of Kamala Harris's history. Let's just do that because that's one of, that's one of you want solutions? But you see, you don't like my solutions, some of you, because they're practical. This is just practical solutions. Just practical solutions. I can't tell you. See, you want me to tell you, the people who criticize my show, you want me to tell you that in two years I can make you a millionaire or put you in a Bentley. I can't. But I can help you get your politics right. And part of getting our politics right is to look at people's backgrounds. When somebody comes to you and says, I'm an AKA Skiwi. And I went to Howard University. Okay, that's cool. But that's only part of your background. Tell me the rest. Who your mama? Who your daddy? What did you vote for? What did you, what did you defend when you were in California? Exactly. What are you who do you support? For? Yes, and what are you fighting for now? What is your agenda? See, these are the things you have to do to not be a part of the problem. But let's, let's review. Let's review Kamala Harris's history and see what we find. Let's see what we find. Now, some of you all don't like... And I totally understand. I'm on the same page with all Donald Trump's Medicare cuts and the Secretary of Education. But some of you all despise Trump. But you don't understand the role that Kamala Harris and people like her play to get Trump to that place in terms of, in terms of who they support. So you don't like Trump and you don't like his cabinet picks. Okay, I get it. But you know who could have kept one of those cabinet picks out of there? One of the most important cabinet picks we have in terms of who can and who cannot destroy this country in terms of Wall Street. You know who could have done that? Who could have done that? Put that up for me, Arm. That's your girl. That's your girl. When you talk about Mnuchin, when you talk about Mnuchin, that's the Secretary of Treasury. He could have been in jail or at least facing charges. If Kamala had chose to prosecute the bank that he headed, that was involved in all sorts of allegedly, you have to say that, alleged, alleged misdeeds. There was a leaked memo that the intercept got a hold of. And let me tell you a little bit about it. They, she failed to prosecute Mnuchin. It's hard to prosecute people with money. It's hard to prosecute people with money. They have money. Why would you want to take off someone with money? If you're an up and coming well, politician. You, well, because you want that money. You want, the, if, you want that money. You want that money in terms of campaign donations. You want that money in terms of campaign You want that yeah. person grateful to you. And I'm sure Manisha said thank check. you. And, and, and guess what? He's former Goldman Sachs. You don't want former Goldman Sachs. Ooh. But the problem is, the problem is these banks torpedoed the whole economy. Not even just, not even just the American economy, the global economy. And they're all, all these subprime mortgages when you look at African Americans being foreclosed on. That's these big banks. You all need to read up on how they package. They package these subprime loans and sold them off 
as triple A rated derivatives. They did that. So you're telling me Kevin Cooper probably would have had a better off if he'd worked for Goldman Sachs and been ahead of a bank. He'd have had a better off without having, without having a real advocate for people in that office. But look at this. Mnuchin was CEO of One West Bank. Okay? One West Bank. The memo that I told you about reveals over a thousand foreclosure violations by Kamala Harris's when Kamala Harris was AG. These are her own people basically saying this is... Fraud run rampant at this bank. And you know it's disproportionately black. You just know it. Come you on. Just know, yeah. Come on. You know those numbers were disproportionately black. I mean, and she, you, your girl was there? That's y'all girl, right? She gave him a pass. That's y'all girl. Yeah. But she was there when that happened. I, and widespread misconduct was the language used in the memo <laughs> that the intercept got hold of. Widespread misconduct. Okay. You got a lot. Now put up clip number three. You got a lot to say to Jeff Sessions, but when you could have prosecuted Trump's Treasury Secretary and made sure that he didn't get nowhere and sent a, sent a message to the rest of these people who take advantage of America's poor and use them to make money, when you have an opportunity to do that, Kamala, you didn't do it. No. You sat down. You sat down. There are a lot of people who... I kind of question right now because they are on the Kamala Harris bandwagon. We had Tim Weiss say he wants her for president because she stood up to Jeff Sessions. Let me tell you, everybody, that's not my criteria for a president. <laughs> yes. My criteria is what is your black agenda? What is your agenda for black people? And Tim Weiss is always saying that he stands for black people. And he's going to interpret black people. He's going to interpret us like we speak some kind of Ugaboo language. Yeah. He's going to interpret us to white people. Why can't I interpret myself? Yeah. I think black people can speak for themselves very well. I don't have any particular animosity. But for you to say this, it kind of makes me think you're a part of this thing. Because what he's doing, see, listen, what happens is that there are people. There are people who are paid and, well, and rewarded. You don't have to go give somebody a sack of money, but they're rewarded. Up politics. Yeah, they're rewarded for legitimizing these people and validating them. So let's say you buy Tim Wise books, you're a fan of Tim Wise. So what Tim Wise says matters to you as a person. So when he comes on and says, I give my stamp of approval to her, he knows he's giving a nod of the hat to a woman who is a neoliberal shield. But he's doing it anyway and saying, well, she stood up. So someone's going to have to tell me what, like, no, really, YouTube or anyone who's got a problem with the vet saying, what has Kamala Harris done for black people? Because she's had a lot of power for a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. What what she do? She's pretty good on the LGBTQ stuff, pretty good on immigration stuff. But what yep. has she done for black people in California? And I'm let, asking. And let's be honest. She was AD in Northern California when black people were pretty much getting kicked out of Northern California Uh-oh. in the 90s. Uh-oh. The 90s and 2000s. There are, there are far fewer Negroes in Northern California than there were when Tupac was, was in Oakland. What? Yeah, no. What? Like, black she people, didn't, well, she didn't do anything when they were black no, people? Well, she, she liked their landlords. She did not. Oh. <laughs> she always, she, Kamala Harris never met a landlord she didn't like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, oh. yeah, so they and were never kicking. met a tenant she wasn't happy to kick out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, and then... In the 2000s and 2010s, you know, black people could have used some help in California. And black people are getting kicked out of... I would, I'm priced out of California. I was born and raised in California. I can't go back. Kamala Harris isn't trying to make it so I can go back. Yeah. Yeah. 
She don't want you. She don't care. She <laughs> no that like we like people don't say like we are the stepping stone. Like Kamala Harris is doing that so we can rally around her now so that she can be the first woman president. That's what she wants. That's that's what her agenda is. I don't care what you say. Her agenda is to be the first woman president. Forget Hillary. She's trying to get in there now. And she don't care if she step on you. Everybody steps on us to get where they got to go. Everybody uses us. Black people are the little doormat. Okay, let me step on you. Get the black people riled up and be like, yes, yeah, sister girl. I mean, Loretta Lynch was nothing. But the Deltas rallied around her like, because she's a Delta, you got to give her a vote. Anybody who, what's the little man, the little mayor of New York, Giuliani. When Giuliani shows you support, you got to sit back and be like, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, talk about the rightest of right wingers, far, far to the right. But she stepped on us in an institutional way. She put it. You gotta respect Kamala Harris. She put in the work, though. She decided I need to be black. You, you can talk about Obama. I need Obama. to be black. Said, yeah, I need. She decided I need to be black. She said, like, oh, you could say Obama like had decided I need to drop my white girlfriend and I need to marry Michelle and I had a plot. Yeah, and like Obama had a plot. But Kamala Harris put in that work. Kamala Harris said, like, I need to go to Howard. Yeah, I, like, but they, people don't realize they all start young. They all, like the, the reason we don't realize because we don't pledge, think like okay. that. We just live our lives because we don't have those kinds of ambitions for the most part. These people start young in terms of inculcating what they think they're going to be and how they think they're going to be and when they think they're going to be and what it takes to be it. That's what they do. Howard was a means. Yeah, AKA so it was is. a means. Get that. Yeah, she it was a means to an end. You right. think she, man. <laughs> I got to blacken myself up. That's what they all say. I got to black. That's what Obama did. I got to blacken myself yeah, up. Give myself, myself a black up. wife. Kamala Harris. I got to blacken myself up. I'm gonna go to Howard. I'm gonna get on and be AK. And I want to let put up, put up, put up clip number four. In 2016, we talked about Mnuchin, Trump Secretary of the Treasury. He only gave money. Now this is this is this is previously, but in 2016. He only gave money to one Democrat. Guess who it was? Oh, no. Don't tell me. Kamala. Oh. Kamala. This and is pay to play. People be like, well, he didn't give a lot of money. He didn't, you don't know what else. The, see, the, you don't, <laughs> see, the thing is, we don't have no wealth, so we don't know how it moves. These people connect you with other people, get you to places you need to go. That's get a get you, out of Connect you to card. talk to people. Yeah, to connect you to talk to people you need to talk to. And they make sure you're going to know that you're going to have people filling your coffers. They don't have to give you a lot of money because they make calls to other people who give a lot of money because they need to owe Steve Mnuchin a favor. Like he would need him to owe them a favor. They want Mnuchin. They'll do anything for Mnuchin. He's a multi-multi-multi-millionaire. They'll do anything for him. If he says donate to Kamala, they'll do that because they, you want this guy to owe you. So the thing is, people are like, well, he didn't give a lot of money. It don't matter. It was no. about a signal of support for her. Yes. It wasn't about the money. We got to start thinking deeper. We got to start thinking about what that means. Okay? I mean, so... You know, I, I, I think what I'm trying to say is this is politics as spectacle. This is a politics of spectacle. That whole thing, that whole thing with her and Sessions, that's something that she orchestrated. She orchestrated a sort of little confrontation with, hey, ain't, ain't Sessions' middle name Beauregard? Yes. He's easy. He's like a Keebler elf named Beauregard. <laughs> that's easy. And I'm not insulting Sessions. I don't care about how people look. But, but I'm just saying she picked an easy target. Nobody likes him. He don't have no power. Nothing. The right in terms of like right now with Trump, because we've seen articles that say him and Trump don't get along, that he offered his resignation. Everybody knows he's under fire with the Russia investigation. You got to do it 
when it's beneficial. Kamala Harris had the opportunity to do it with Mnuchin, but that would have been tough. And that would have had real consequences for her. And that's one of the things you look, you got to look at when you are selecting leaders. Are they doing anything that would have been, that, that would have caused them consequences? Right. Taking a stand means that there are consequences. When you take a stand, there are consequences to bear. And let's be honest, black people, we won't get justice without someone taking consequences. Like, no. there is no, like, like, if there's going to be a people who's going to be sold out, it's going to be us and first. So anybody who's not afraid to take anything on the chin, anybody who's not afraid to take any consequences, is not going to do justice for us. Nope, that's not your people. That's, that's not your person. That's not your, that's not, because, like, we will not get it easy. Listen, anybody can get in front of the cameras and be like, you've offended me. <laughs> <laughs> I never. Anybody can do that. But that's not a real consequence. That's a show. You want a solution? Let's start distinguishing and differentiating shows and spectacles yes. that are used for news clips and people in politics who take real consequences for in order to people. help us out. Yes. That's a real consequence. You got to differentiate between those. That's a solution. That's solution number two. Will that solution get you a Bentley? No. Will that solution get you in a million dollar house? No. Will it ensure that your kid's going to be a millionaire? No. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us getting our politics right. That's what I'm talking. Now, something else. Go to clip number six. I mean, it was very, a very interesting thing happened. Very interesting thing happened. On the, like they say, on the way to the park. A while back, when Kamala was, you know, doing her thing, when she was doing her thing thing, she said... Um, her people and her, you know, the people who work for her, like they're like they're disjointed from her somehow. They argued against early release for prisoners because they said they had forest fires and somebody had to put them forest fires out. <laughs> we need the prisoners to help put these forest fires out. You know, it's hot in there. Yeah, hot, <laughs> hot up in that kitchen. And they didn't say like they didn't say like, well, they didn't let they didn't somebody on my place. They didn't let the elderly go. <laughs> They didn't let somebody said enlarge the clip. All right, enlarge that clip for somebody. They didn't let they didn't let nope. They didn't let the non-offenders, non-violent offenders go because they need them to put out forest fires. Well, so no, wait a minute. It's really hot in there. You know, I'd like to do it. My I'd and like so, to put and up so, my own. And forest. so put the risk, put the put like put the put the life at risk of somebody who's 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 committed a crime. That the, 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 it ain't supposed to be death. <laughs> Goodness, people. And so. Listen. Our sensitive lungs. I can't go in that forest fire. Where are the criminals at? Send and let me there. tell you what Harris, let me tell you what Kamala Harris said. Do you know what Kamala Harris said? I said, Kamala Harris said, I was shocked that my office would use it as a defense. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's your office. It is your office. Either you either you lying or you incompetent. Which one is it? Because you don't know what your office is doing. And honestly, if you're shocked and it's your office, so who'd you fire? Nobody. Who'd you I, fire? I, if I, it's your office. I, 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 I like, I like, like, who, this is your office. So yeah, that, she said she did, had no idea that her lawyers did that. Well, you know they did it. You know that, you know. You see, the thing care. is, you know the consequence. You know how y'all are using those prisoners. And how you're using them to yes. show up the bottom line. Yes. You know, Kamala. And if you, let me tell you something. This is what leaders do. If you don't want that to happen, you make it clear to the people who work under you. Listen, you don't do anything like that. We are, we, we, you tell them, you make sure they understand what your values are. We are on the side of the people. We don't want prisoners to be using that way. The prisoners, we can get some of them out on early parole. We will do that. 
And it's all because of an overcrowding problem in the prison. Yes, California is big time. Yes, in California, instead, they sleeping all up on each other. And you trying to keep them in jail so they can do forest fires. And then you abdicate responsibility and say, I own it. Beware of people who don't own the problems that they create. Let me say that again. Beware of people who don't own the problems that they create in their office. Kamala Harris, you, can't, you, supposed, you were supposed to own that. The buck stops with you regardless. You were supposed to own that, but you didn't. So you won't let these nonviolent criminals, older criminals or whatever, or people who have been incarcerated out for early parole, but you say immigrants are not criminals. What? You crossed the border illegally. <laughs> how is that not a crime? Like how, like for, it's, it's funny to me, for a certain group of people, law is just not supposed to matter. Like for, for African-Americans, laws matter a lot. If the law is you didn't pay your rent, you get evicted, you get evicted. Yes, if the law is if you have a little piece of marijuana and you have anything, you get evicted, you get evicted. If the law is you got to pay a company money because you had a traffic fine, they will break you over that. That happens to us disproportionately. But laws don't matter for everybody, apparently. If you're an immigrant, you're not, you're not a criminal. If you're on. What do you mean undocumented? It's, a, it's against the law to come here illegally. And that's for a reason. Now, if you want to reform the immigration process, we can have that debate. But I don't think you just get to say laws don't matter for people who came here illegally, but laws matter a lot for African Americans. But that's who we were cheering last week and the week before last. Go, Kamala, go. That's, she said that as a senator and a former, uh, like, Attorney General, that's that's a big deal. When your chief prosecutor says like, "Well, they didn't really break a law." Yeah, they ain't, well, they ain't no. I mean, it's not a law that matters. That's your chief prosecutor. It's, it's a, a law, but it's not a law that matters. A lot of black people in jail for laws that don't matter. That don't matter, and yeah. you won't do anything across the board. And saying, you, yeah. and then you'll say you, you don't have any discretion. Oh, it's a law. I don't. I, I mean, because I, I would say, I would say, if I have a law that don't matter, I would say, well, if the if the offense was nonviolent. And they sold some marijuana to somebody. That's not a law that matters because they ain't got no job. That would, that's what I, I don't think that law matters. You ain't got a job and you sell some weed. I don't think you should go to jail. Put you in a cage yeah, for selling yeah. a dried plant that people like to smoke for what? That's how you could have helped us, Kamala. But you didn't do that. You, no, chose, you chose to help. But I understand why you did it. I understand say, why you did it. You can't say her hands are tied. That's they the tied. thing. They're not tied. No, she just didn't care about putting those black people in jail. No. She was holding, she was standing up for the laws for those, for those landlords. Yeah, we, we're a country of law. We're a country of law. Like, you don't pay your rent, what? you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. You're living in San Francisco and don't pay your rent, you got to bounce. Because we have people. We yeah, have people boss. that's going to come in here and pay $4,000 a month. You got to go. There's money to be made. Get your broke out of here. We ain't got no time for that. that well, Kamala, matters. I thought you were in favor of African American. No, I ain't not that much. I got to go. I got things I got to do. We got laws. Got laws. We're a country of laws up until the time that, you know, laws don't mean nothing. And, you know, she was also chastised by a judge, Kamala Harris, was for violating her the defendant's right by hiding evidence about a technician, her office was. So wait a minute. A technician does this, and you didn't reveal it to defense attorneys. And we're going to, I'm going to bring this up. Now, when I brought up Byron Allen, everybody, when I brought up Byron Allen, I brought up Byron Allen a while ago about a lawsuit he filed about being shut out of about being shut out of 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 um, 
of, of cable networks. He had, he wants to have a, cha- a channel and all this stuff, and they were like, no. And they gave him 10,000 reasons for telling him no. And when I brought this up and I said, this lawsuit about, for bio, this Byron Allen lawsuit is important. This is really important. All through the comments, I had people telling me, Yvette, I don't know what you're talking about. He got a white wife. I don't know how you do that. And my boy over here done got all kind of huff about that too. But why y'all don't say nothing about Kamala? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Put Should that. Put it up? Roll it. Y'all didn't say nothing about her. I, want, I just want you to be consistent. Because awesome y'all will say though. all kind of stuff about Byron Allen and all this stuff. I just want you to be consistent. You don't ever talk about Kamala's husband. I'm not saying anything one way or the other. But I just don't understand why you get on why you get on Byron and everybody else. I couldn't even have the conversation that I wanted to have. Well, you know, maybe he's a broke, starving artist. Ha! Well, maybe he's a broke, starving... <laughs> and you don't even... It's, like, it's not even nobody you married when you were broke. Or he was broke. You married him, like, recently. Look at that picture. Like, it's like you married him last week. <laughs> Y'all gotta be consistent. Y'all gotta be consistent. Y'all can't be in my comments. Dragging Byron, dragging Army, and not... And, and then when it comes out, you got like, you go. You go, Kamala. She told him. Oh, you go, girl. What's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, she don't get to get dragged, huh? That whole thing y'all tell me about, well, well, you can't, you can't be politics and black and sleep white. That thing y'all tell me, somehow, it don't count when it's Kamala. When it's Kamala, it's, it's why are you bringing up her life? Well, why did you bring up Byron Allen's life, personal life? That wasn't a part of his lawsuit. That wasn't a part of anything. Come on, it's not even like, oh man, come on. So the, so what we're telling you people is look at what they're fighting for. What you mean is Kamala married? That's her husband we just saw. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> that's what a picture mean? of her husband right that's there. That's her husband. And he's not some broke artist. No. I think he's a banker. Yeah. Like, now, who is he? I mean, you got it pulled up. I like, Pull I, him up. So. <laughs> yeah, but I, like, I, I think I looked at this before. He's some banker or something like that. He got uh, money. He's got someone money. He got money. Why do you think you all snuggled up? <laughs> it ain't like you met him in college and y'all fell in love or you met him after college while you were running for the state or when you first got to be a prosecutor even you you just married that man last week no, I mean, but I'm, not last week but I mean you just married him recently come on man you know what you're doing but I'm just my thing is you're going to have to be consistent you're going to have to be consistent you can't keep telling me you can't keep going off on Byron Allen and everybody else, and then you don't say nothing about Kamala. Let's talk about it then. You want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. You, 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 you got to be consistent with me. I don't let you get away with that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's a Y'all want to troll, troll Army in the comments, but go, Kamala, go! <laughs> What's she doing for you? Man, come on. What are you fighting for? That's what is question. she fighting for? What's your black agenda, Kamala? So let's move on. Let's talk about some other stuff. Now, Here's the thing I don't quite understand. Put that picture up. This is, this is Kamala's salute to her mother for Mother's Day. Very nice. Very sweet. Um, but, you know, I read an interesting article today. And it was talking about, it was in the New York Times, it was talking about interracial marriage. And there were a bunch of different people who were, like, married to a bunch of different people. And I'm not talking about just black and white. It was, this person was, you know, from, this person was from, from, Saudi Arabia or something, and this person was Indian, and this person was this, and it's like, 
there were a lot of distinctions made. We understood that these people were different cultures and they came from different places. Like in terms of the article that was written, I think you can lose it up. It's about the love decision, whatever. You can look it up. But there were a lot of distinctions. But in other areas, we don't tend to make those distinctions, right? So from what I understand, Kamala Harris's dad is Jamaican and her mother was Indian. And I understand that her dad wasn't necessarily around for, you know, like in play as part of her life during a lot of the time. But it's okay. He was a struggling Jamaican, you know, having no, five no, jobs no, with like no, a taxi no, no, company no, no. and like spending nights as a no, janitor. A working class Jamaican. No. Working, no. What was he, Army? <laughs> I think he's a surgeon, right? <laughs> Not he's a surgeon. He was an econ professor. Econ professor at Stanford or something like that? He's something huge. And she the doctor, right? Right. Kamala's mother, tell me, y'all, I thought Kamala's mama was like, how am I losing this? I'm having a brain freeze. Because I just looked this up earlier today. Like, he's like a, um, he was a professor, I think, wasn't he? I, I want to say, I'm, just give me a second. I think he was a professor, and she was like a doctor? Yeah, they met in graduate school. They and met, what did they do? They met in graduate school. He was a professor. She was a doctor. Economics professor at Stanford. He, they, economic professor at Stanford. Just kind of like your dad, right? <laughs> My factory worker family, yes. <laughs> kind of like your dad. It's kind of like being a sharecropper. <laughs> yeah, Corey, somebody, um... I received a text that Cory Booker's uh, parents were like, I think were the first executives at IBM. Yeah, they're not like us. Yeah, they don't, not, care. They don't not, care about the things we care about. Like, like, yeah. Let me just ask you a question, Black America. If her father was not around, why aren't y'all calling her Indian American? Like, if, if, if she wasn't even raised, like, even if he was, even if, and even if he was around, she would be Jamaican American and Indian American. Why y'all calling her African American? Like, what the hell? She had a plan and it was. Damn it! <laughs> She had a plan and it worked. You know, I think, and see, it would be better if we would just call her Indian American. It would be better. We would be better able to understand her and how she feels about immigrants. She has an Indian American mom and a and a Jamaican father. Of course, she's pro-immigrant. Stop seeing her because she's an AKA and went to Howard. Stop seeing her like you. Stop seeing her like me. Don't see that. This is, she's an Indian American, and we're going to judge her based on her black agenda. Simple. That would, that's all true. That's all like it's it is yeah, that's a white person on their black agenda. You this this who you are, and I'm gonna judge you based on your black, black agenda. agenda. That's just how it's gonna work. You know, so you know Man, so she wasn't even broke like all the people at Howard. Cause like, no, you're, you're telling but I me bet that, you like, she was running around like she was. I don't, she might have like left Howard without student loans. Might have been in I'm that sure 2%. I'm sure she did. You should have, well, when I went to Howard, wasn't that kind of money? So I'm sure her parents could pay that. A doctor and an econ professor, they pay her checks. They went to the state. Man, when I bet she was walking. When did, I want, when did she, how old is Kamala Harris? Uh, 52. Oh, she's old. 10 years, she's 10 older years older than, than you. Yeah, yeah she's older oh, 10 years older, yeah. She's older than me. So I was like, I wonder if I knew. No, no she's no, older no, no, than me. No. She's older than me. I didn't know she was that old. No, no, no. See, she's kept you can say well. things she about... She looks good for that age. No, she well, looks good. Yeah, she got that good skin cream. You know, she <laughs> got money. <laughs> good skin cream. <laughs> got that good skin cream. You know, like, you could, like, say what you want about Amarosa, but she's black. You know, she's black descendant of slaves. She made her moves. She made them the way she made them. Like, she's black. Say what you want about Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas is black. Yeah. Say what you want. Like even buying out. Like these guys are black guys. Yeah. Whether you up, like them or not. Whether like, you, you like, whether you like their politics or not. Like. Yeah, like, and that's what we have to question their politics. So she's an Indian American. Right. 
And you know who who that's how because that's who raised her. Her Indian that's who raised her. So that's what everything when you talk about one of my things about Obama was that he's not anchored in the African American experience. Now here's the thing. Kamala Harris is one end of it. What I'm talking about right now is social engineering and how yes. they manage us as a group of people and they manage us through politics. That's one way, but we've also talked about on this show of how they manage us in terms of celebrities. So the next thing I want to put up is a celebrity who has made his life on managing black people. Put that, put that road in. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Steve Harvey. Mr. Steve Harvey got in trouble last week because of saying something about somebody about Flint water. Well, you can uh, you can just drink that Flint water. Somebody called in; they were talking about the talking about the, the the NBA finals or whatever, and he said something about Flint. Drink your drink your brown water. Drink your brown glass of water. Now, we should pull out of Steve Harvey. Like that's enough to like. That's enough. That's he enough. Be done. You should you should boycott him. He should be done. Why aren't black people boycotting Steve Harvey? He should be like, advocating for the people of Flint, not making like. He's, yes, he should you done. should be in Flint. Saying why don't these people in Flint have water? They have deserve. water. I'm using my microphone to get my people water. I'm using my microphone to get my people water. Instead, you think it's a joke. And what you have to understand is that Steve Harvey is trivializing. When you joke about something, you trivialize it. Everything is not a joke. Everything is not to be made funny. Everything is not to be made funny. And so. And so what I say to you, and that's why people don't joke about the Holocaust. And so what I say to you is, what are y'all going to do about Steve Harvey? Because if a white, if a white talks, if Rush Limbaugh has said, drink your brown water, how would we have reacted? How would we have reacted if Rush Limbaugh said, well, drink your brown glass of water, do the best you can? We would have been outraged. But when Steve Harvey jokes about something that's not funny, you're talking about kids who have cognitive disabilities now because lead is a neurotoxin it damages the brain and you have Steve Harvey making light and making fun of this over like a joke about the Cavaliers or something like who does that like you're not even funny you don't even know what's funny anymore and you're diminishing like I don't know when we're going to have to understand as black people that some black people we just got to let go you can't hold on to all black people He's kicking the victim. He should be joking and kicking the government. This is a political problem. It's a political failure, and he's kicking the victim. Yep. And you're kicking the victim. You're not kicking Obama under well, whose anybody rush. who made this possible. Anybody who the made governor, it possible the for an EPA. entire city to be poisoned. That's something you see on like apocalyptic movies when the entire city gets poisoned. You're not kicking whoever made it possible for this city to get poisoned. You're kicking the victims. And the victims are a part of your tribe. And so when you have a, you know, it's funny, like when you look at other societies and when you, even when you watch movies, like there are rituals. And one of the rituals is like people can be outcast. People can be excommunicated. But as black people, we don't excommunicate anybody. We just say, well, he had a right to his opinion. No, he doesn't have a right to an opinion like that, which is damaging. And let's go through the, let's go through, let's go through the road hour before we go to the phone. This ain't the first time. Let's go through the road. And let's. It'd be one thing if you can balance this against all of the time Steve Harvey's like put it on the map for black people. Yeah, then you'd be like, okay.
okay. He's like Bill Cosby, been. like it's like, uh, yeah, but like you put it on the map for black people. We actually tried something. Yeah, the reason it was hard for black people for Bill Cosby is because he gave scholarships to a lot of people. He gave scholarships to a lot so of people. So it was really hard for a lot sweet, of people. Sweet, 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 yeah. sweet badass. <laughs> yeah, that so it was so. just hard for people. But what are you talking about? Yeah, Steve Harvey. Like, Steve Harvey's out for Steve Harvey. And, and has always been. And always been. He's always signaling to the producers and different things that, hey, I'm your guy. He does everything he can do to signal to the people who to the people who run capital, to the people who control money. He's always signaling. See, that's not for you. That thing he says about Flint and that kind of stuff, that's not for you. He's saying that for them. He's always saying and doing this for them. Like if you need somebody to sambo, I'ma do it. I'm your guy. He's always signaling to them. The mayor of Flint, put that up. The mayor of Flint has demanded an apology, and I think she ought to get it. You ought to get it, and I think we ought to leave Steve Harvey alone. We got a lot of funny people in the black community. Guess what, Steve Harvey? You can leave if you want to. We'll make another one. We'll make another one. We got a lot of talent in the black community. We don't need you, Steve Harvey. Honestly, I can go to prison and find someone funnier than Steve Yeah, Harvey. we can find somebody funnier in, 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 in prison. Yeah. We can find anybody. We got people on the comic show circuit. We got all kind of people, Steve Harvey. You don't you think the black community needs you? You think you think you think you just because you think you you think just because you 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 do what you do that you're indispensable to the black community? Come on, man. What's wrong with y'all? Why can't we kick anybody out? And that's how, that's how you show people. That's how you show people. That's how you show people how to treat you. You got to get rid of some people. Yeah. You got to use some people to send a lesson and say, if you do us like this, you're going to end up like him. Ain't nobody going to show up at your show. Ain't nobody going to show up to do nothing with you. Black people are going to walk away from you. That's right, so, how you teach people. So Steve Harvey calls you up and said, Yvette, comes out. What do you do? I don't do nothing with you. I don't want to do nothing with you. For what? What? I don't you need you. Here. I don't need you. I don't need to come to your show for anything. I'm not coming out. Have a nice day. I wish you the best. By yourself. By yourself. I hope these people who you've taken care of are going to take care of you and put you in spaces where you don't need us because we're gone. I'm not going out to see Steve Harvey for what? So he can smoke a cigar in his suit and, and, and feel good about Man, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. I need a lot of stuff in my life, and that ain't it. Now, put up the other clips. I remember, like I think it's like 10 or 11. Look at, this look one? at. This is his first time Steve Harvey has been doing that. He's the forgiveness king. Somebody said he's never been funny. So Look at him. Look at him. Look at him on there. Paula Dean. Paula Dean used the N-word and all that stuff. Well, we'll use Steve Harvey to kind of bring her back into the fray. We'll use Steve Harvey to kind of show that black people ain't really mad so she can get back in the business of making money for us and her. Steve Harvey job. won't mind. That's his job. That's his job. That's, That's what he job. gets paid to do. And Social he don't control. mind doing it. He don't mind doing it. He don't care. That's what Steve Harvey does. He, it don't matter to him. He understands that his job is to convince. So when she, when you see Paul Dean with Steve Harvey and they joking around, you think, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have made people that upset because black people are back. Black people don't seem to have any problem with Steve Harvey. So why? I mean, have any problem with Paula Dean? So why should I have a Paula Dean? Because you do understand. You do understand what that means. Now let's say something. Let's let's go to another topic. We got another. We got another. 
another story about Steve Harvey. Because this is a pattern for Steve Harvey. What I'm trying to prove to you, what I'm trying to prove to you is this is a pattern. This, is a, this isn't a one-off for Steve Harvey, okay? Now, a while back, now this is fairly recently. Yeah, put it up. This is fairly recent. Steve Harvey went off on his staff. And he said, I don't want you to, listen, do not approach me while I'm in makeup chair. Do not come to my dressing room unless invited. And don't approach my makeup chair unless I ask you to speak, as I ask to speak with you directly. Do not take offense to the way I'm doing business. It's good for my personal life and enjoyment. That's what Steve Harvey said to his staff. That's what he said to his staff. Now, not only what he said, I want you to look at the tone of this. He's, he's treating you like he's a lord and you're serfs. And understand one thing about black life. If you don't understand one thing about black life, understand this. We have a lot of people. If you're a black person that makes it. If you are a black person that makes it big time. What this means is that you probably had a lot of people who were with you the whole time and didn't get paid much money. Right. And those are the people Steve Harvey is telling, hey, don't talk to me. Now, he done came up and he done, pro- Steve Harvey, I'm sure, has had a bunch of people. He tell, well, I sure do have a taste for fried chicken. And they go home and cook it. Well, Steve, I know you said you wanted some fried chicken. Well, I sure would like for somebody to drive me to the airport. I got you, Steve. I'll drive you to the airport. These are the people, if you're black and you make it, these are the people who you have with you. These people have always been there with you. Through thick and thin, through everything you've been through. And you tell them, look, when you get big and you, you finna go off to L.A. and do big stuff, you say, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't come up to me. I don't want to hear it. Don't, don't. And if you're not invited, I'm not going to speak with you. If you're not invited to talk to me, I'm not going to talk to you. Do not approach me. Don't approach me. I don't care what you've done for me in the past or who we used to be. We ain't that no more. I done moved on. And so you have to be loyal to the people who have been with you. You can't tell them that might be all they have. Maybe somebody wants to come up to you and take a picture with you because they got somebody graduating. You know, and they say, well, can you, Steve, I want to know if you can take a picture with my grandson. He's graduating from high school, whatever. And you didn't even do it right. You wrote this nasty memo. What you could have done is told your rep, hey, have everybody, let's have a time where I talk to people. Like one time of the day where I talk to people. And, you know, when I come in or when I get off, and so that they know at the beginning of the show I got my mind going and I'm not going to do it, but I'll holler at them. I'll holler at everybody who want to talk to me at the end. You could have organized it, but that's not what you did. You said, don't talk to me. I don't want to be bothered unless I contact you. Don't say nothing to me. And you made sure that your personal handprint was on there. You didn't try to be nice because you're not a nice person. This is who you are. I think we see you for who you are. I think we see you for who you are. Who has he made? Has he made anybody? I don't know nobody he made. Like, who's he? I don't know nobody he made. You know anybody he made? Oh. only thing I hear about Steve Harvey is that every time, every time, you, every time he talked to somebody, he say he tell a comedian, you need to wear a suit, a black comedian. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, I don't, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what you, what you going to yeah, do about that. What, what's he been about? Like, yeah. What's his legacy? What's his legacy? I don't know. Well, I mean, do we have, I mean, I, I mean the thing is. And let's put up clip number 13, because I might, think people have forgot about this. We might already have a bigger legacy than Steve Harvey. 
I mean, I think we've people been doing forget, this for six months. Yeah, I think people forget what Steve Perry said. People forget what Steve Perry said. Steve Perry said. Steve Perry said, "Well, look at all these black black. Look at all these look at all these black men." He said, "I witnessed two hundred boys voluntarily cut dreads, braids, unkept frosh because I am Steve Harvey, U.S. Army connected aesthetics to success. Powerful. It's powerful if there are jobs." <laughs> and the jobs are requiring that you look kept. It's not powerful if there are no jobs. But Steve Perry and Steve Harvey don't know enough to know that there have to be jobs available for you to cut hair for the job. Now let's put up, let's put up, let's put up clip number 14. This is what you need to pay attention to. When you hear Steve Perry and different people say, Oh well, yeah, because yeah, Harvey's show is in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Steve Harvey shows Chicago. Now, he's moving out to L.A., I think, but it's in Chicago. Put it up. Yeah, he should know this. He should know this. He should have had a show on. He should have had multiple shows on this. He should have. Multiple radio shows. He has a TV show, The Crisis of Unemployment. And let me read read this to you. Let me read something from you. This is from City Lab. It says, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, most recent numbers, the unemployment rate in Illinois is 4.6%. But if you look at certain segments of the state's population, the numbers tell a different story. Illinois youth are experiencing joblessness at a rate of 70%, almost 16 times the statewide average. Chicago's Cook County is home to the largest share of this demographic, with the situation particularly difficult for the 21,560 to 24 year olds without a high school diploma who are both out of school and out of work. You're gonna cut your hair for nothing. (laughs) If you wanna tell somebody to cut their hair, you should be doing the work. And so this is what I told you. I told you part of the solution is looking and recognizing who's doing the work in your community and who's not doing the work. You have to, if somebody is putting stuff up like this, but you see they're not doing, they're not, he's putting up all this stuff. He has access because he got a bunch of schools. Steve Harvey got a bunch of money and they're talking about cutting the hair. That's what a friend of mine calls (coughs) work avoidance. That's work avoidance. You don't want to do the work. You don't want to do the real work. And so we don't pick up on it as African-Americans. We don't pick up on it to say, he go, I mean, Cause I'm, I'm about to, we, we don't, we don't do the, we don't pick up. We don't, in terms of solutions, our solution should be, Hey, I'm only supporting people who do the work. It's fine. If you want to tell people to, to do something with their hair, but I need you to also be making sure that there are jobs available for these people, these, these boys and these girls. So what I'm telling you is that you got to do the work. Steve Harvey ain't doing the work. And a sure way to find out somebody, and Steve Perry too, a sure way to differentiate and find somebody who's just there for themselves is is that they're not trying to tell the truth about what's really going on. You got to tell the truth. If this person isn't telling the truth, listen, I want these boys to get their hair cut so they can have jobs, but I'm calling on Rahm Emanuel to do do something to get a jobs program in here to make sure that these boys and girls have jobs. Now he was, they, I say boys because they were just dealing with boys in terms of their hair or whatever. They were just dealing with boys. It's youth, but they were just dealing with boys. But you're gonna say, if you're going to say that, you have, to, you have to call on the mayor, too. And you have to call on the president. But he spent his whole life, he spent, Steve Harvey spent his whole time defending Obama. 
And then talking, and then him and Steve Perry are gonna be like, well, we got these boys to cut their hair. Well, whoop did do. They got their hair cut and no jobs yeah. after that. There's a whole industry, I'm realizing, in wasting black people's time. Ooh. There's a whole industry in wasting. Go ahead, just apply for that job. Write that cover letter. Uh, get your hair cut. Just wasting, sending yeah, black just, people they from don't, here. It ain't gonna mean nothing. No, none of that, but like it. It keeps the industry going. So by the time it's been, you've been looking for a job for seven, eight months, a good job, not like something seven dollars an hour, like a, a good job for seven, eight months, a year, like you've fallen out of the, uh, like it, it's become your fault. Like there's an entire industry. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say this because honestly, yeah. my job in Obama's, my job in Obama's um, Senate office in 2007, when I was an intern there, was wasting black people's time. That was my job. My job, I was to call up high schools. And get black kids to apply to service academies. Those are uh, Air Force um, in in Colorado Springs, Annapolis, the Navy, and then West Point. Uh-huh. My job was to get black people because in order to apply to those service academies, you need the letter of recommendation for a congressman, mm. right? So my job was to call up high school and say, like, look. You know, Senator Obama really wants to write some letters of recommendation for black kids. Apply, send your scores, write the letter of recommend, uh, write your essay, do all of that. And um, what would happen is I got a few hundred people. I got a lot of people to apply, right? That was my yes. job, right? But then it turns out the application process, they just weeded out. Say we got 500 applications. They weeded it out to like the top 60 based on test scores. Yeah, so they weren't going to make it. No they way. weren't going to make it. No, they weren't going to make it. The kids, I, the kids I hustled to apply weren't going to make it anyway. So I got them to write their essays. Probably got it proofed by their mama or whatever. And then... Um, they got cut off straight by test scores. And you know who did that first cutoff? Who? There's some 22-year-old intern, some sort of girl who's sitting next to me. Now, isn't that something about who's in charge? Who's in, like that, that, like some, some white sort of girl next to me was the first gatekeeper who just cut him off from scores. Didn't even read the essays. And once I saw that, like, I, I knew I wasn't yeah, no, long so, in that and, office. And so, why, and so why wouldn't the gatekeeper, if you're a black... If you're a black senator, why wouldn't the first gatekeeper be a black man? Like, you could have been the first gatekeeper. No, no. My job was to get him in. Waste their time... Had I known that, I wouldn't have called. I would have said, like, look, you're not going to get the, you're not going to make it fast the first gate. Yeah, like, you don't have a test score. Yeah, you don't have a test score. So let's talk about these test scores. Because, like, but now Obama and gets, then, to, why not, he gets gonna, to say, I recruited black and people. And then if you're going to yeah. worry about the test scores, why don't you have a program in place to help black people there with test scores? go. Because like, you're not serious about yeah, getting them. Yeah, because you're not serious about helping them or, or giving them money. <laughs> giving them, giving black people money so that, so that they don't have to worry about so much at home. So that they can't focus on test scores or their schools are in shambles. And all the stuff that's happening in the black life to just make them write in and think, oh my God, Obama really wants me to apply. Your essay did not get read. Sorry, people. Yeah, and it didn't get read. It didn't get read. No, it was cut off. And then why don't you say like, why don't you say like, I want one black kid to go to one service academy in America. <laughs> one black kid at West Point. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to deliver black, one black I'm from gonna Illinois. I'm going to deliver one black kid to one service academy. I'm not, I might not deliver a lot, but I'm going to deliver one black kid to West Point, the Naval Academy, one black kid while I'm here going somewhere. Well, Why honestly, not? you don't want to be one. Let's, let's give him two. He needs yeah, give him two, but he didn't even give one. He didn't no, even give yeah, one. Yeah, all the kids I got. When, so it was a waste of black time. And I wonder, it's not just that. That waste black time. Think about all the jobs you're supposed to apply for during the internet. You're supposed to spend time and write a cover letter and all of that stuff. And then it goes to someone's nephew. 
Yeah, like, they, I mean, they, they waste time with a lot of stuff. They, they waste, waste time th- telling us, well, learn how to code online. No, Come on, man. No. Shut up talking to me about coding online. You're not serious about black uploads. No, nah, these, 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 little, these little kids is coding in kindergarten. And you telling me, you telling me, well, you can, I, I, listen, life is changing. Okay? Now, what I want to say is, in terms of, and, and Steve Harvey also said, is that clip 15 where he said he didn't care about slavery? <laughs> <laughs> Man, this guy's useless. No, he's worse than useless. He's a problem. No, he's a problem. He's a like, problem. He's not, he's not just useless. He's a problem. He <laughs> is a problem. And he's paid to say that kind of stuff. Yeah, he knows that, he knows that if he says that, he's going to get more opportunities. Yeah, this the is why he, he gets a that, show. You could be on that stage. But you got to you gotta, you gotta have to give black people up. You could be on that stage <laughs> black people ain't going to... You got to just be like, listen. That's his job right there. Yeah, because see, his job is to just do that thing and then signal, I'm up for more. So if you need a... If you need a black guy to forgive all the ills of whatever, I'm here. You know, I'm here. So, so you know, one of the things, one of the things that I also want to talk about is before we go to the phones, I want to give you some solutions in terms of questions. See, people are looking at solutions as like these huge, no, solutions are small. Small things that we can do as black people, solutions, small things we can do. One of the solutions I want to give you in terms of the questions that you ask when you see these people, one of the questions that you should ask when they do this stuff is, tell me who's benefiting from this. Who's benefiting? When you see him with Paula Dean, ask yourself, who's benefiting? Well, Paula Dean is benefiting. And the people who are making money with and for Paula Deen are benefiting. Um, but black people don't benefit. And think about what his job is. Is his job really to represent you? Is his, his job to entertain you? Or is his job to control you, manage you? His job is to you, control you. Manage you his for them. His job is them. to control and manage all of us. Ask yourself. Wendy Williams is the same way. is benefiting from this? When he says slavery, I don't care about slavery. Think about what that signals to white people and ask yourself who benefits from this. It's, 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 it's the white community because they can say, well, if Steve Harvey don't care about slavery, why should I? If Steve Harvey don't care about slavery, why should I? This is all orchestrated. This is not something that just happens. Ask yourself who benefits. When you see people acting a certain way, yeah, he's a gatekeeper, city girl. When you see people acting a certain way and behaving a certain way, sit down and ask yourself. I don't care if you need to draw a diagram. Draw a diagram and ask yourself, who is benefiting from this person doing this and talking this way and saying these things? And then it kind of becomes clear. That's one question you should ask yourself. Another question you can ask yourself is who is being diminished? Who is being diminished when this happens? When he says slavery doesn't matter, the black community is diminished. Because that's like, he would never have gotten up there and said, well, the Holocaust don't matter. He would never say that. Nobody wants to, wants to diminish them, and rightfully so. But you are diminishing the African-American community when you say that and slavery the, the, doesn't matter. The legacy that's still today. And the yeah. legacy and the wealth. And our justice. And <laughs> you are diminishing. That's who you are. That's what you are. Ask yourself when you see this, who is being diminished by how this conversation is happening? Ask yourself. Also ask yourself, how does what this person is saying align with the data? 
How does what Steve Harvey says align with the data? If he says, I don't care about slavery, how does that align with the data of what we know about slavery still being in the system in terms of our economy? The poverty from slavery is still in the system. And the wealth. And the wealth from slavery is still in, the, in our economy. So when you hear him say it doesn't matter, what he's saying is inconsistent in terms of being in alignment with the data that we all know is true. These are questions you could ask yourself because these are telltale signs that someone is involved in social management and social engineering and doesn't have the well-being of African Americans in the forefront of what they're trying to do as their project. They have their own, their own benefit in mind. Selling out black people is a good job. It might be, it might be the best job there is for black people out there. Like, think about it. If you wanted a job in selling out black people, could you find one, Yvette? Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all made decisions here that, yeah, tomorrow. selling out black people is a good job for an educated Negro. Yeah, I, I can do that tomorrow. Like, I can do that tomorrow. Make good money. Yeah. Like, and, and, and the second, the, the last question I want you to ask yourself is this. When you see that, like I said this before, but I'm going to drive it home. Ask yourself, what is being avoided in this conversation? Like, what is the elephant in the room in this conversation? So if Steve Harvey talks about slavery, what's being avoided in this conversation is what? Reparations. Reparations. That's now, the, that's the only reason his comment is relevant. Yeah, and ask yourself, ask yourself also, if you're talking about Steve Harvey or anybody else, when he's talking about, like I said, when he's talking about where the black boys cut their hair, ask yourself, what is being avoided in this conversation? What's being avoided in this conversation is the fact that black boys don't have jobs. So you, they're always trying to take your eye away from something that matters and put your eye on something that does not matter at all or matters very little. Compared to there being no jobs, getting your hair cut matters <laughs> not a whole lot. Because you're going to be looking good at home. So you have to ask yourself, what is this person avoiding? You also have to ask yourself, who is this person? Now, Steve Harvey is a descendant of slaves. He's just decided he's going to do the symbol. He, that's what he's decided. He's decided that he's going to be a tool for the people who run everything. But you have to ask yourself in all circumstances, who is this person? Where do they come from? What's their background? You, when you look up Cory Booker, you see the IBM. You don't, don't just look at the documentary about Newark and he's this, no, 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 no. What's his background? We look at Kamala Harris. You say, okay, I understand. Indian American, I get it. Start going further than the soundbite and asking yourself, who is this person? And do they mean me any good or do they mean me any ill will? We have to start asking these questions. We have to start asking questions that matter. We have to start asking questions that matter. That's what we have to do. There's no other way around. There's no other way around it. I don't know if there's any other way around it. So what I want you to do is basically start asking yourself every time. Every time. Start asking yourself a series of questions. Start asking yourself a series of questions. Don't just do, you know, what they like to do to like to frame everything for us. You might as well make that big. Yeah, I'm about to get Tony I Antonio mean, in. Oh, okay, get him in. Um, you have to ask yourself questions. We have to start asking ourselves questions that matter. Because like I said, and I don't mean to just repeat this, but I want to say it again because it matters. 
I want to say it again. When you bring it up, when you get them in, make sure you make it big. Army. Huh. I want to I want to ask questions that matter because what I want to say again is you cannot reach the right answer without asking the right question. And I want you to drill that home to your kid. When they say, I don't understand, you can never reach the right answers without asking the right questions. So if you're if you're in a if you're in a position and you say, I don't know, I don't know if I'm asking, I don't know, these, these answers don't make sense. Go back to your questions. And what I do, I write down my questions. I write down my questions and I come back to them. And I say, what's wrong with this question? wrong with this question scratch it off and ask another question eventually you get there you have to you have to you have to ask the right questions that is tantamount that is important that is pivotal so i think if there's one solution in terms of our politics in terms of moving forward let's ask the right questions so what's what's going on you got yeah. it so let's go on to the i think we got antonio on the phone yeah we got antonio Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? Good, uh, good, good. You know, great show today. You know, that was a great story that you gave. I wanted to uh, actually give that a larger context inside of a, a chart that, you know, you basically hear a chart this weekend. It's on our Facebook page. Um, it came from Matt Blumig over at demos.org. Demos.org is an economic think tank. And funny enough, much, many of the charts that I've been sharing with you are from Matt as well, and I'll be doing a piece with Matt on the new data that comes out in the fall. And what I wanted to do is kind of go through this chart and then give you one of the problems with you when you ask me for a solution to this chart. When you look at this chart, what it's showing you is that black wealth is extremely calcified at the top. These top 20% have almost all of the little wealth we have. So let's back out. Outside of this chart, we control 2.6% of all the wealth. White America controls 90%. We control 2.6% of the wealth. But the top 20% of black families have almost all of it. The other 80% of us are locked out of wealth. <laughs> now, when you say, when I say that, you might say, can't I just get into the top 10% right here, me? Right in back? Yeah. Can't I just get into the top 90%? What you don't understand is that these are Kamala Harris and Steve Hart. Their role is to keep you down here at the bottom. Mm. Now, if you look at the chart, the bottom 50% is negative. I just did a video, check it out on my channel, Tone Talk, that says while we're talking about Beyonce's uh, twins, the bottom half of black America together is not worth $1. Mm. You can look at it for yourself. Not Brubnick. You know, he comes from demos.org. He, he gathers evidence, I mean, data from the Federal Reserve to uh, report on consumer finances. It comes out every three years. This is data from the government. So essentially what you're seeing here is everything about black psyche is a fraud. What you're seeing here is that the middle black family that everybody says the Cosby Show mimics doesn't have no money. You know, one thing that I wanted to bring back, and, and we kind of got lost in this when we were talking about the Cosby Show, Never forget that the Cosby bought a painting, a painting in the 80s for $25,000. There was a whole show on them going to an auction. That's like $100,000 today. Now, what I'm going to show you from this chart is $100,000 gets you in the top 90% of black families today. Just that 100. To not be in the bottom of your family, to not be in this bottom 
Your family needs to be worth about $75,000. So now let's connect that to Irmi story. You know, Irmi had a whole, a whole job of selling black people hope. Yeah. Our job That's when true. we get into these places is to sell a bunch of black people that don't have a chance the idea that they have a chance. That's, yeah. When the other people can just tell you they don't have a chance. This chart and what I'm telling you is you literally don't have a chance economically. Mm. Without good politics, nothing's going to happen for you. The boomers have all the bread. It's not coming down. We, went, we all went to college, and we don't have no money. That's so yeah. true. And so my question is, it's a trip. If you're asking me to solve this chart, after 400 years of slavery, after 100 years of Jim Crow, after 30 years of mass incarceration, so I just wanted to show this, to show you the reality is, this is a chart, and it's actually shrinking. The top 10% of black America is full of people that have the job similar to Erie. What Erie described his job was at the Obama office, yeah. which is to go out into the community and tell them, fill out this application. Fill out this application and you have a chance. When they know you don't have a chance. No. Yep. I'm yep. telling you, whether it's your fault or not, the data shows you don't have a chance. And you need politics to tell the government, make me a chance regardless of this data. Yep. That's yep. all I wanted to say. Thank you. Tony, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, when they when he talked about buying the Cosby Show, thank you, Antonio, buying a $25,000 painting in the 80s, which was a hundred, which is $100,000 today, that should tell you one thing. That should tell you one thing. The Cosbys were white. <laughs> they were white rich people. They were, the Cosbys were white. They weren't black. They weren't African Americans. How... I, don't nobody on this thing know somebody who who paid a hundred thousand dollars for, for art, that for art? We did do a show about a woman who tried to sell black people art. Turned out she wasn't doing so good. No, she tried to sell black people art and ended up can't make her mortgage and can't make her payments and all kind of stuff. Cause we ain't got no money for art. You know that was one thing I had. I had a problem with uh, was it Love Jones? Everyone thinks that's a great black movie, like you know the nineties or whatever. Like. Who are these people making money with poetry? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I can't even remember Lil Jones. Yeah. I saw it when it came out. I don't even yeah. remember what happened. Yeah. Anyway. People still living off that, though, ain't they? Yeah. We love to live off some 90s stuff and act like it's still real. No. Good God Almighty. I but when Antonio says the boomers have all the bread, that's true. Do yeah. Any black money under 50? And they love to tell you. Well, you didn't do what you mean. No, you bought a house in California in the seventies. Yeah, when, it, when you could buy a house <laughs> like, in California, nobody like, buying no house. Don't tell me you're a genius. You just bought a house in California, <laughs> like in the seventies, in the eighties, or uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Somebody said boomerang. That was another one. What was they working at in boomerang? They was all there were a lot of black. They people. were all executives and stuff. <laughs> what is the same thing with Empire Noah? Get these billionaires to get their money. What you mean? What ain't nobody? Th- Y'all better stop. Uh, maybe if you walked into Jet in the... I just, I just remember Boomerang. You walk in, it's just black executives everywhere. Like, and I've just never been to a company like that. I ain't never seen no... Because they don't exist. It's all like this fantasy. And that's how we live since we don't have the data. We live vicariously through these... Stuff. Ain't nobody doing that, this empire stuff. Stop throwing the crazy stuff. All this... Oh, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But um, if you want to... Like, we can go on to the next caller. Oh. Who are we? Bottom half of them. Bottom half don't have a dollar black people. 
<laughs> and we sitting around wanting to go to Stanford. Who are we? And then I, my job is to tell them they can do it too. That's that's what. Was yeah, and see the thing is, if you want to succeed, Army, you have to be able to do that. Like, if you want to succeed, you have to be able to tell black people you can do it too, and then know that they know that they been a, they on a fool's errand. That's what you have to do. That's what that's what all these people do. They get up and they say in front of black people, all you gotta do is work hard, and they know that's not true. Right, we're gonna go to two o two. I like two o two. That's DC. Get some DC. Get some DC people. You're on. Hello. Yes. How you doing? Am I on? Yes. Hey, how's it going? Calling out of the DMV. That was an excellent breakdown and analysis by Antonio Moore. Much appreciated. But um, you know, I just feel like it's a, I feel like it's like a it's just like a never ending battle trying to to, to 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 get black people on this page, you know, trying to and to inform them about the data and it's just like it just feels like it's hopeless. It just feels like black Americans, the masses are just so propagandized. And I, I was at work and I saw one of my coworkers and she had on a button that said, well done, Obama. And it's, it's just almost like when it comes to Obama, it's like, he's like, it's the religion. It's like Obama-nology. It's their Obama-nology. You try to explain to them about this Kamala Harris and and her angle and they they just look at everything through like legacy symbolism and melanin politics and it's just i don't feel also i don't feel kamala harris will win i think she's not going to win in the general election if for, for president i mean she's married to a white dude too you have to take into consideration that most of our electorate are black women because of mass incarceration of black men okay. and, and black women color the It's bad. Okay, let me refresh my face. Hey, hey, Breaking Brown family, can y'all see me? Woohoo! It'll take a second, but yeah. Take a second, gonna take a second. Let me see if I can get it in. Oh, they're gonna give me a commercial. Yeah. We lost everyone real quick. Yeah, people be gone. Yeah, we're, we're, we're live now, so. Sound in, I mean, good God, everybody just left me. We went offline for a minute and y'all just got gone. I ain't never seen nothing like it, y'all. <laughs> oh my God, y'all just left me that quick. Oh, it went from it went from we went from like eleven hundred people to like three hundred. Like gets back gone. She's not gonna come back. <laughs> Give me two seconds, please. Something happened with the stream. I don't know what happened with the stream, but in terms of the last caller before I got um. Before I got, um, before I say what I, before I get back at it, the last caller said it's something like, it's almost like, um, it's a religion to people in terms of Obama. And I would say that in terms of Obama and a lot of other people, it's not a religion, it's a cult. I think a lot of people are, are very cultish. I think a lot of people are very cultish about Obama and about a, a lot of black people. This is Nate from Detroit. Hey, Nate. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, listen, I know Boomerang was a total illusion, but that's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this, is, this is what I wanted to say, is that... Yeah, I'm sure it don't. We might have to get family. You want to invest in it? Well, no. I just, I, like, I tried that. No, I don't have a problem 